and welcome to We Dig Plants on Heritage Radio Network. We are Groundworks, Inc. I'm Alice Marcus Krieg. And I'm Carmen DeVito. And we design, install, and maintain gardens in and around New York City. Heritage Radio Network broadcasts from two shipping containers in Bushwick, Brooklyn, located next to Roberta's Pizza at 261 Moore Street. And today's show is sponsored by Hearst Ranch. Now, uh, Hearst Ranch is the nation's largest single-source supplier of free-range, all-natural, grass-fed, and grass-finished beef. Did you know that, Carmen? No, and I'm thinking about food right now, Alice. I am, too. Since 1865, the Hearst family has raised cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of the central California coast. The result is great beef with extraordinary flavor that's as memorable and natural as the surrounding landscape. Now I'm really salivating. (laughs) (laughs) That's the point. Good. Okay, good. I hope you are too. Well, We Dig Plants brings the culture to horticulture, and in doing so, we have an amazing guest today who's filled with information, Lorraine Brooks from Cornell University's Cooperative Extension Educator Program at New York, for New York City. Now, Carmen and I talk with one of the New York City Extension educators many times throughout the year. In recently having had some soil tested for lead due to a gut renovation of one of our clients' um, houses, we were on the phone with Cornell and started talking about several different programs that they offer other than soil testing. And we thought it would be um, a good idea on the show to have Cornell on as our guest to explain more about their organization and how it serves the people of New York. Welcome, Lorraine. Thank you. Nice to be here. Yes, we're very happy you could join us and tell our listeners um, some of what your organization does to help uh, keep New York green. And as a quick overview, um, the mission and motto um, is to advance New York City through research, to be a link uh, between researchers and students and communities and the land-grant mission of Cornell University for more than 50 years. I want to just interject that, um, just to be a a historical nerd for a second, the land-grant colleges, if people don't know, were actually started by President Lincoln um, after the war. Um, He provided the money to to advance agriculture. Mm -hmm. And also he started, um, he kind of started the USDA. The USDA was kind of part of the, it didn't really exist until he separated it from the patent office. So agriculture was a big initiative after the war. And he was the one in his administration that provided the the money for all those colleges that exist now. Yeah. Lorraine, can you um, tell us more and give us a summary of the land-grant missions overall? And then we can talk more specifically about New York City. Well, as Alice was mentioning, uh, the it was about put, uh, teaching agriculture. Um, most of the college, colleges had classical studies, and so money was given to colleges in each state to do outreach to the community on um, agriculture, actually military tactics also, mm-hmm. and, as well as mechanical arts, in addition to classical studies. But it's, it was to provide... Uh, practical education to working classes and of course as time has gone on it's uh, expanded uh, beyond agriculture and uh, in particular with extension uh, that means we're reaching out basically uh, extending the resources of the the university Um, in New York State by the way it is Cornell University Um, each state has a university but basically we help solve the needs of 
of the community with the college resources, mm-hmm. and we do non-formal, non-credit programs. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually it's administered through thousands of county and regional extension offices. Mm-hmm. And uh, in New York State, that is, uh, they're all, except for New York City, um, partially funded by the counties as well. Um, New York City is its own um, entity. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> so a whole you, other ballgame. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. Um, so, yeah, it's primarily informal education, but uh, based on research. Right. Right. Yeah. So can you tell us and walk us through some of these programs and partnerships? For instance, I know you have um, a horticulture and ecology training program in partnership with Central Park Conservancy. Yeah, we have been doing this is our third year. Um, it began as an 18-session course, but now it's uh, down to 16 sessions. It's a certification course, and it's for park employees, both with Central Park Conservancy and some of the other parks and the volunteers, and basically uh, the Conservancy provides the funds, and then we plan, coordinate, and deliver the instruction to about 30 adults, um, as I said, working in Central Park or other parks in the city. And our instructors are Cornell Cooperative Extension specialists and educators, as well as educators from other institutions. We have uh, a gentleman that teaches our botany portion from uh, New York Botanic Garden. Mm-hmm. And we have Sidney Hornstein that comes in from uh, American Museum of Natural History to teach our geology class. And uh, we do a range of horticultural and ecological t- topics such as uh, plants, planting maintenance, soils, as I mentioned, geology, woody plant identification, uh, ecological lawn care, plant diseases, and basically what we do is we do a classroom-based presentation and uh, then we do field-based and lab-based hands-on experiences uh, right in Central Park there. Um, so, so if somebody wanted to get involved um, with your class, they would have to join Central Park Conservancy, right? And then they could take the class. Yeah, I mean, certainly, uh, I know they're always looking for volunteers. Right. Um, as I said, they do, uh, we have nine volunteers this year, so um, they are not uh, averse to providing that training to their volunteers. And, you know, in some respects, we're doing many versions of this. We are, we've been working with Roosevelt Island um, Operating Corporation and giving them a kind of smaller version of the same training, so... You know, depending on the group, we can probably tailor it. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, the the gardeners on Roosevelt Island are um, they basically were maintenance people that were given the responsibility of the landscape. So we're doing a very introductory horticulture training there. Right? Are you doing like identification and you know perennial plantings and and things like that? Well, yeah. The uh, well, plant identification, as you as you know, takes a lot of time. So mm-hmm. basically, the way we do it is we provide them the tools on how to key out plants, mm-hmm. which is basically a process of elimination using dichotomous keys. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're doing it the hard way. They learn. We started in January, so they're <laughs> that's the worst. <laughs> I think they're probably going to be better than I am about yeah. uh, twig identification. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, looking at characteristics of the the way the tree looks, the bark, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and so although they don't haven't learned all the trees in the park, they have the tools to know how to find out what tree it is. Um, it, that would be a whole course in itself, as you know. Right. Absolutely. And uh, the person that actually 
uh, teaches at ID is Bill Barliner with Central Park Conservancy, and uh, for a long time he was vice president of horticultural operations, and now he deals with the volunteers, and he's he's been there 25 years, and not only can he give you the ID, but he can give you the history of that exact tree, and uh, it's pretty amazing. It's such a great resource. Um, and then as far as perennials go, um, Diane Schaub, who runs the conservatory garden there, mm-hmm. she few weeks ago did a class on herbaceous plants, basically bulbs, perennials, and annuals. And then on our final class, she will give, be giving us a tour of the garden. Um, unfortunately, as you know, things aren't up in uh, yeah. February. but uh, It's still a spectacular garden, even oh, in the is. winter. Uh, I yeah. think very few people south of you know 59th street know about it unfortunately yeah. it's you know? wonderful wonderful it's, a, it's kind of a little bit of a hidden gem up there definitely so tell us a little also about the urban forestry community engagement model um the urban environment program and the department of natural resources at cornell how they've they've collaborated with million trees right yes and uh primarily through New York City Department of Parks and Recreation, but we are also working with Trees New York and New York Restoration Project. Mm -hmm. And basically what we're doing is we're looking to develop a strategy and toolkit for promoting stewardship of trees in New York City. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, we hope to develop some sort of program that can actually be used throughout the country. Um, And we're what we're doing is we're trying to learn what motivates residents to care for their community's trees in order to help um, preserve them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, help preserve them, but also help with urban greening projects because uh, you know some people just don't understand why there's all these trees being planted. And actually, I'm in the process today um, on either side of this interview to uh, we're in Jamaica and we're surveying people on the street on uh, their feelings on trees in. Jamaica. Oh, what are some of the responses so far? <laughs> well, for the most part, people are very positive. Um, you know, they know what kind of benefits they provide. They know that they give them shade and mm-hmm. provide oxygen. Um, and we do ask them if they have any problems associated with them. And for the most part, at least with my particular groups that I've been talking to, they really don't see problems. I had one answer that was uh, talking about sewer lines. Yeah, people are very afraid of trees um, going into their sewer lines or into their foundations. That's When we were replanting a lot of the trees on my street because all the old London planes had died, Mm -hmm. you know, that were planted, you know, 50, 60 years ago. um, People, many people didn't want the street tree. I don't want it in front of my house, you know. And I I found that hard to understand because the species that they were planting were not going to be anywhere near as big or aggressive as a London plane, you right. know? But it is, you know, educating them because, totally. especially in an urban environment, Alice and I talk about it a lot on the show, how so many urban dwellers don't have even a basic understanding of plant life. Mm-hmm. No, and, and they think that, like, letting the dog urinate on the tree is watering it. Yeah, you know? people have actually said that to us. Yeah. Wow. It's it's a little crazy. <laughs> Definitely yeah. include dog uh, information about yeah. your class. Oh, yes. Well, as I said, we're doing uh, street surveys, but we're also going to do some focus groups and, uh, you know, hopefully ultimately come up with a strategy for having more success in this program because, you know, the, the I guess they're up to about 315,000 trees that they've planted now, as I heard last week. Um, so they're well on their way to the million trees. But 
you know, once they're planted, we need to make sure that they they survive, survive, right. and hopefully thrive. Even are you um, are you advocating the use of those water gator green bags? Oh yeah, Good. I mean the thing is that it's it's probably going to ensure the survival mm-hmm. of trees mm-hmm. uh, because it slowly waters the trees and. Uh, you know, there's not enough staff to water these trees on a regular basis, and it's yeah. just—it's easy. You just fill it and you go, and it's good for a while. And yeah, um, it waters the tree slowly, as I said, so it's not running off over the curb and mm-hmm. into the storm drain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's the—that's really the problem. I read once that that um, that's the major problem with with a new street tree is is lack of water because the and public the- doesn't realize that you know a couple. A couple quarts of water on it, you know, really makes all the difference. Oh, yeah. Every, you know, every couple of days or so. So we have to take a break in a second. But I wanted to talk one uh, before we break about the Garden Mosaic um, Education Program. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, this has been a program that's been around for a very long time. Uh, It connects youth and elders and basically uses gardens as a tool to enhance their community and and communication between generations. Mm -hmm. Um, So what we do is we work with educators to help them develop activities uh, for working with youth. And as I said, gardens are just a tool for that. Um, There are some gardens out there that have used uh, or done some of these activities and actually, if you go to GardenMosaics.org, there's a whole list of things um, under Action Projects. And uh, I've got a couple of gardens that I found some information on. One was, uh, this is before my time with Cornell, DSC Flores at East 13th Street mm-hmm. between Avenue A and B. Carmen, you probably remember that. Yes, I, I lived days. on the Lower East Side in the 90s, so I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. familiar yeah, with those gardens. This was about 2004. They hmm. built a birdhouse and designed a mural. Um, another one is the Miracle Garden at East 3rd Street between A and B, and they developed a water catchment system. Oh, mm-hmm. that's great. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's really using different activities to teach about gardens, but also about their communities. Yeah, New, and New York City really, this is such a nice way of getting involved with your community and your neighborhood through working with people to, you know, create a better, more beautiful space. It's, yes. That's actually what kept me in New York. <laughs> <laughs> um, unfortunately, we have to take a break. We'll okay. be back with you in one second. Just okay. stay on the line. Uh, sure. You're listening to We Dig Plants on Heritage Radio Network. Welcome back to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. Um, We have with us today Lorraine Brooks from Cornell University's Cooperative Extension Educator Program for New York City. And we were just talking about some of the community initiatives um, that Cornell works with, um, with people in the city. Uh, Lorraine, I'd like to ask you um, 
a kind of an unusual question. Tell us uh, maybe an unusual story that uh, about New York City and some of the projects that you've worked with or some silly requests that people have asked you for as an extension yeah, educator. You, you probably have some really interesting stories to tell. <laughs> <laughs> we like to dish, Lorraine. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, there's two stories in particular, and they're kind of related. So uh, I was thinking last summer we went... We did what was called a neighborhood tree exploration, and basically that was tailoring our garden mosaics program to talk about trees rather than specific gardens. And uh, this was in the South Bronx, and it was with Youth Ministries for Peace and Justice, and we came ac- across this incredible row of mature London plane trees. I mean, they were just magnificent. And we were standing around. This was with some kids who were probably about 14 years old, and we're discussing the benefits of trees in the urban setting. And a woman comes out of her house and says, are you going to remove that tree? <laughs> and she thought we, and she wanted us to do so. Um, and, what, are you going to just carry it away? <laughs> I know, I know. And we were hardly the type. Anyway, um, a second one was uh, we were at Earth Day in Central Park. We had a table there. And uh, we did a tree activity. Basically, it was a big tree, paper tree on a board. And people could write on these leaves about why they like trees and then stick it on the tree. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, the adults were very much into their beauty. Um, most of the children knew that they provided oxygen, but we did have one boy in particular. It was, he was probably about eight years old, and he proceeded to tell me about how trees absorb carbon dioxide and that carbon dioxide was a greenhouse gas, and he was very emphatic about planting more trees to slow down climate change. Terrific. It was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. I mean, he could have told me the whole science behind it. I mean, this kid was just... How old well, was he? Eight? About eight years That's old. That's impressive. It was shocking. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the kids are really... Of course, really his dad is Adrian Benepete. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So those were two things, kind of the both both ends of the spectrum. Um, well, it's very interesting. You never know what's being absorbed, especially my children. You know, I have a young child, and I, of course, share tons of plant information with him. And sometimes I think it's just going over his head. And, and then later on, you know, it's sort of, it comes out in unusual ways. So you never know through these programs how you're going to reach someone and who you're going to reach, you know? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Well, what advice can you give um, our listeners in gardening and as encouragement? Well, I think that uh, people need to understand that even though we're in this urban environment, I really still think of it as an ecosystem. And everything we do in the garden has an impact on that ecosystem, Mm -hmm. be it good or bad. Um, Obviously, using organic methods... um, we create habitats, we help reduce the urban heat island effect, and we help improve communities. So everything we do is adding to the community, even though it doesn't seem like much, even if it's just uh, having a little perennial garden underneath a street tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's actually helping slow down water movement and instead of it going into uh, the storm drain and polluting our water. So every little bit helps. And how do these projects get funded, by and large? And what okay. can you do with more money? Okay, well, they're funded with grants and contracts that are received from external sources. Mm-hmm. We usually apply for a funding grant through a competitive basis, 
And so the grants are both from public and private sources, such as uh, public agencies, nonprofit organizations, and foundations. So um, as I mentioned earlier, we're not like other uh, cooperative extension organizations in the state. Everybody else has some funding that comes in from the county. Mm -hmm. We don't. So we really do need to rely on those grants. Um, And as far as what we would do with more money, I mean, there's uh, (laughs) so many things. That's an odd question, I know. (laughs) But uh, I know some of the things, areas we're very interested in dealing with is stormwater management, um, maritime restoration, and we've done some works with with schools like New York Harbor School, which mm-hmm. is oh, I've heard of that school. Is that in Bushwick? Well, no, it's, it's in Red Hook, I think. Well, it's in Bushwick, but okay. they are actually in the process of moving to Governor's Island. That's right. Oh. That's right. And we actually worked with them last fall. We did a scavenger hunt in celebration of uh, the 400th anniversary of Henry Hudson's mm-hmm. arrival, mm-hmm. and so the kids helped us develop uh, the clues, and then they helped us run the whole scavenger hunt. Um, what were some of the clues? Oh, goodness. It's been since September, so I have to think hard on this. But um, basically, the clues were to get people to go to certain places on the, the island. And, uh, of course, there's very, a lot of historical stuff there. Mm-hmm. But we also tried to get them over to uh, they have the, where they're doing oyster restoration. And the kids are involved with that. So basically teaching them about not only the history but the ecological Things we were, we were teaching them about um, what the oaks were used for, why it used to be called Nut Island, and why was that, and, and mm-hmm. various things. Um, I wish I could remember all those clues on the top of my head, but it's it's been a while, and my I've done a lot of projects. Since then, I would love to go take that. <laughs> so well, I was yeah. I was so fascinated by that school because for me, I have a very sentimental feeling about New York Harbor. Um, mm-hmm. You know, having grown up in New York most of my sure. life, I yeah. feel I don't want to see just a bunch of condos along the water, no. you know, and I'm very excited that new parks are opening and I feel like we have to keep a connection to our maritime history. Oh, definitely. Because it was such a long and illustrious history and we don't have much of it left, you know, going forward. So, And Governor's Island is a little oasis. It's amazing. Yeah. It's like a seven minute ferry ride. Yeah. And you're... There's rolling hills and trees, and I know I have to confess I haven't I I haven't had a chance to go there and visit it since it's sort of been handed over. Right. But I hear that there's big plans afoot there um, to restore it and to um, make it you know make more public use. Yeah, they the have space. bicycle rentals over mm-hmm. there, and uh, there's big art projects and yes. mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. They had a huge art project in association with the uh, quadricentennial. They called it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I said, the school is there, so they, they're all about the maritime, and we would really love to do some more work with them. In fact, we were talking about perhaps uh, training them in doing that scavenger hunt so they could actually Yeah, that I mean, that would it. be a great oh, thing the to public. do each week. Yes, yes. Yeah, I would go out there and do that. That would be awesome. Yeah. So yeah. I wonder, do you think they're going to put, um, speaking of the future, do you think that they're going to, we're going to have some edible oyster beds along New York Harbor anytime in the future? Well, I don't know about edible, <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, certainly they are trying to restore the oysters. Uh, right. it's, it's pretty tough. They really need very clean water, and yeah. that's been such a tough environment. That was a major commodity for, for New York. I don't oh, think yeah. people realize 
that you know oyster shucking and and you know the kind of oyster on the street the cart was really a, a major part of everyday life back at the turn of the century yeah and it was about 150 square miles of oyster reefs yeah yeah around that it's harbor a, it's astounding yeah. to imagine and that oyster bay and yeah 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 and actually erica wides um uh she's another she does another uh, show here called why we cook and her father i think was involved with with the uh the oyster bay restoration and the farming out there oh okay yeah and he he has his own show um as well called the naturalist oh the yeah show. yeah yeah well thank you so much for joining us oh, on we did plants pleasure. um and we're going to post some information about or you know a link from our facebook page to the cornell website and i'll just say it here it's nyc.cc.cornell.edu um so that you can go check out some more programs and what cornell does um and is there any last minute information you want to tell about about the extension um you know, just that we provide uh, research-based information to people. I mean, it's really easy to look on the Internet and uh, try to pick up information. Wikipedia, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but we're, you know, people can be assured that the information that we're giving out is based on re- current research. Yeah, and science, you mean, <laughs> instead yeah, of someone's definitely. opinion. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that, you know, Extension's located in every state in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, we're the largest organization providing non-formal education to residents. So. Right. That's pretty astounding. When I think about extension agent, I think of farmers. And that's why a lot of people don't realize that it exists in New York City. People don't even you know, realize that gardens exist. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. Some, and, some, and that New York is an environment. That's yes, the, it is. It's, it's a strange environment when, when you compare it to rolling hills, you know. But it is in, in itself very, very desirous of types of programs that you offer and yeah. parks and, you know, other nonprofits to uh, partner together and make make living in New York a little better a little better and less yeah. concrete <laughs> definitely less concrete the better well thank you so much Lorraine oh thank you and um, we'd like to also thank Jack Inslee for producing our show today and Nat Wiener for engineering and to our good friend um, who uh, wrote a wonderful our wonderful theme music uh, supercompuglobal.com and to Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick and to Hearst Ranch our sponsor If you missed any part of the show, please note it is available via archive on the website, heritageradionetwork.com, and via podcast. Please leave comments or join our Facebook fan page, Groundworks Inc., We Dig Plants. Happy gardening. Happy gardening. Happy gardening.